It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One, two, one, two. Hey, what's the buzz and tell me what's a happening? This is Pyromaniac Mo, your humble host, and of course you're listening to episode 42 of the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter, that's Pyromaniac Mo, all letters, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. We're going to sit down today for episode 42 of the Pyro Light with Jeff Radcliffe. From Pro Football Focus, we talk mid-round wide receivers. Of course, you get to hear my famous last question, one breakout, one sleeper, and one bust. We'll see what Jeff has to say. Of course, if you've been listening, you might have caught that Jeff and I tried to do this about a week and a half ago. The audio gods were against me. I felt like Odysseus trying to get back to Ithaca, uh, not paying homage to Poseidon. Uh, The fantasy audio gods... We're apparently angry, but Jeff was so kind and gracious. He's a scholar and a gentleman. He came back uh, at his own time. I know he's busy, and he uh, had some patience, sat down to do it with me again. So please go ahead, let Jeff know you appreciate it. He's on Twitter, Jeff Ratcliffe, J-E-F-F-R-A-T-C-L-I-F-F-E, and let him know you appreciate it, that he, he didn't have to come back. Of course, all the guests here do it out of the goodness of their own heart. They take time out of their own day. And Jeff uh, was going above and beyond the call of duty. So do me a favor. Tweet Jeff. Let him know you heard the show. Let him know you appreciate him coming back. He kind of uh, inspired today's music. That was Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses. Patience. Going back to my youth a bit. Lord knows Jeff displayed some patience today, as it were. Now, before I talk about some fantasy football stuff you're here for, I uh, just want to remind you we got some great stuff going on over at Pyromaniac, pyromaniac.com. You can find everything you want to know about Pyro Pro and, of course, our draft kit. I think of it as the draft kit's going to prep you and help you for your draft day. Pyro Pro gets you through all the other days, 365 if you buy a year's membership, uh, you get a full year access. Check out both of those options on pyromaniac.com now. Last time, I gave you a Mo challenge. 
I'm going to re-up. I'm going to throw this out there again. Every time I turn on the news, we've got some sort of horrific event. Police, snipers, suicide bombers, shootings at clubs. I challenge you to make this world smaller. All you got to do is introduce yourself to a stranger and tell them you're doing it. So the world is a friendlier place. Your life is better and you want them to do the same. So I challenge you. Introduce yourself to one stranger. Tell them a bit about yourself. Again, the goal is to make this world more communicative, more friendly, a smaller place to live. We have enough suspicion and fear. That only breeds more suspicion and fear. Let kindness, light, and familiarity be the things that we grow in our garden. So it might sound like this. Excuse me one moment. Hey, just want to take the time to introduce myself. My name's Mo. You know, it seems to me we spend a lot of time fearing one another and not knowing one another. Looking the other way. I want to put a stop to it, and I ask you to go out and do the same. Introduce yourself. Let's make this a good community to live in. God bless. That's all you got to do, guys. That is it. So there's your Mo Challenge. I'm, I'm re-upping from last time. Uh, go out and do it. If you have, let me know how it goes. And if not, honestly, 10 seconds of your day, you just got to make sure that they, in turn, go do it, and then it keeps moving and it keeps moving forward. All right, guys. A couple other things I want to get into today. We're actually going to do some news and notes here in a minute. But I uh, just want to remind you, if you are starting up a new league, Lord knows it is that time of year, over on LeagueSafe.com, you got a promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. It's going to give you $10 just for signing up. So all you need to do is make sure you have five unique paying members and 250 bucks. Once you get that, you get an extra $10 put into your uh, league balance just for signing up. That is LeagueSafe.com forward slash PYRO. Pyro's interacting with you guys on all surfaces. Check us out over on Facebook, forward slash Pyromaniac. we got some great stuff going on over there. Also on Facebook, if you dug the uh, FF Mixtape, check out some of those other podcasts, including Pyromaniac. Facebook, forward slash FF Podcast Network. You can get uh, all the latest and greatest from many, many great independent fantasy podcasts out there. And if you like this fantasy podcast, and I hope that you do, I'm going to ask you to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you download your pods from. Here's a recent review from Dre Day 401 Shout out to the Pyromaniacs. They hit you with the heavy every week with two hours of fantasy goodness. And the Pyro Light has been rampant up lately, too. Keep it up, fellas. Val Verde. Thank you, Dre Day. Guys, you got to give me some uh, reviews over here. I'm running out. I'm getting to the end of, of recent reviews. So toss your name up there. I'm going to read it here, and it helps us get uh, known and noticed by others, and that is exactly what we want. All right, gang. As I said, it is now time for something we haven't done in quite a while, the Huey Lewis in the News and Notes. It's been a while since I've heard those rhythmic sounds coming through my podcast, but uh, I wanted just to get you with some of the top news, hit you with some of the top news. The Pyro Heavy crew just devoted a whole show to camp goings and comings and goings and uh, news from around the league, so I'm just going to hit you with a few ones, and if you want to get an in-depth report of what's going on in camps and what some news of the fantasy world is, listen to the most recent Pyro 
podcast. It's the Fantasy Football Fire. Welcome back, Houdini episode as well. It's about time, brother. All right. Uh, Eric Ebron, sad to say, suffered an Achilles injury Saturday. That's the 6th of August. Of course, every time I say the name Eric Ebron, I also think of three names. ODB, Aaron Donald, Zach Martin. All players drafted after we took Ebron in the 2014 draft. All right, moving on from a dark spot spot in my heart to another tight end, Cameron Brait. He's running with the ones down in Tampa over Austin Safarian Jenkins. Now, this isn't really a surprise. This has been set basically since OTAs or at the very latest, or at the very least since the beginning of camp. But he's been turning heads, and he seems to just be further cementing the job. Although Austin Safarian Jenkins did get a little bit of press as he caught a nice touchdown pass the other day, but Brait caught two, I believe. So if you haven't been keeping up on the news, there's one to monitor the bit of the tight end battle down in Tampa. Right now, Brait is on top. Some other camp battles to watch. This is what we're here for. We're going to tell you what to watch, and we're going to give you the results. But certainly keep an eye on these things. So you got the Tampa tight end battle. Also in Baltimore, you got a running back by community. You got four set. Kenneth Dixon, the rookie. Javoris Buck Allen. And then you've got Terrence West and Lorenzo Taliaferro. Now, a recent beat reporter, and I'm quoting, best back in camp, Terrence West. He has been really turning heads. He's been getting the most opportunities and most snaps. Now, most folks still think Forsett will probably start, but this is one to watch. Uh, Terrence West, I've been seeing him go late round in MFL 10s. Of course, those are best balls, so you're kind of throwing darts. And I've been seeing Terrence West go in the 18th, 19th round. So certainly one to watch there in Baltimore. Who's going to get that starting role? Is it going to be running back by community? And how high is Terrence West really going to rise? Another running back situation I'm keeping my eyes peeled on is Philly. Ryan Matthews, he's been hampered by injury. Uh, he, he rolled his ankle. He did get in some limited time Friday. That would be the 5th of August and was officially removed from the non-football injury list. A lot of tweets I've seen, you know, basically saying, well, here we go again, Ryan Matthews. Uh, but it looks like it was a minor thing. It looks like he's back and everything's going to be fine, but doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it. Now, in his absence, of course, everybody's looking for Smallwood, but he's been dinged up. It's really been Kenyon Barner that's been turning heads. This should not come as a surprise to Pyromaniacs. Our buddy, the best turner of a phrase I know and longtime scout, Dave T. Thomas, he said Barner's the one to watch, not necessarily Smallwood, in camp. So, indeed, his words have been coming to fruition. It's been Kenyon Barner that folks have been talking about. And you need to know who the backup is there. Of course, they did sign Sproles to a full-year gig, but Sproles is the pass catcher. And remember, with Ryan Matthews, I love him. I've been snagging him in a couple MFL 10s. He's played six NFL seasons, only finished a full 16-game slate once. So clearly, if you're a handcuffer or if you're just looking to take advantage of a situation, Ryan Matthews, odds are that he's not going to finish a full 16 slate. Odds are he's going to miss some time. And the question is, who's going to fill that role right now? It looks to be Barner, but keep your eyes peeled. Over in Philly, Coke Driver. I know you got your finger on the pulse there, big Eagles fan and a uh, friend of Pyro as well. 
some other guys to, to look at. A guy I was really high on, I know D-Rex was as well, Doriel Green Beckham. He is not having a good camp. I am starting to lower him in my tiers. Coach Malarkey for Tennessee calling out both Doriel Green Beckham and Justin Hunter, saying they need to step it up and they're just not consistent. Now, earlier, Taja Sharp, the rookie, uh, was moved ahead of DGB on the depth chart. I kind of thought it was perhaps a motivational move, sort of tipping the hat to Sharp, saying you can do it at this level, kid. See, here you go. And also saying, hey, DGB, you got to work. I thought it was sort of this two birds in one, right? You're going to um, give some confidence to the Rook and you're going to keep pushing uh, DGB because he needs it. But I don't think that was the case. I think it's exactly what it looks like that DGB is not playing very hard and Sharp is. Um, we had a beat writer who counted up snaps. I think this was Friday's practice. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Rashard Matthews had the most, followed closely by Sharp. Now, you've also got Kendall Wright. You've got Andre Johnson, the ghost of Andre Johnson. You have uh, Harry Douglas, who at one time, the third wheel in Atlanta. But if you remember, if either White or Jones went down, Douglas was kind of a nice DFS play. And then you got DGB and Hunter. So a lot of mouths to feed. Now, to me, in a situation like that, I usually gravitate towards the, the quarterback. They've already said they're going to give him more runs. We all know that was an untapped resource last year. Marietta has the wheels. We didn't really see it often, although we saw his big run, and he still has it. But I think we're going to see more of him as a running threat quarterback, and you got all these options for him to toss. Now, if I'm going to have to take a wide receiver at this point, it depends on value, but I suppose I would be leaning towards Matthews, especially in best ball, where you get to reap the benefits of the um, high games, reap the benefits of the booms, and you don't have to sweat the busts, but it's certainly one to watch as DGB falls in my tears and falls on the favor in the eyes of the coach. So watch the Tennessee Titans wide receiver game. Over in Minnesota, McKinnon. Going to be used more in the passing game, at least 30 receptions they're calling for. Now, AP, when working out of the shotgun, been working on running routes out of the shotgun, this is something McKinnon does very well. So AP has been trying to add it to his repertoire over the, the summer. Earlier, when I was talking to Sigmund Bloom, I named two running backs i named smith oh, i'm sorry sims from tampa and i named d'angelo williams this is before the lev bell news but i named both those guys as running backs i would not mind owning outright regardless not even talking handcuff just having value in and of themselves and if the guy in front of them does go down boy does sims get elevated boy does d'angelo williams get elevated now, of course, we're seeing that with D'Angelo Williams. He is being elevated and probably overvalued right now, what with the four-game suspension. But I love me some Williams. We saw what we did. they did last year when Lev Bell was out. He was a uh, RB1 easily. Sims was an RB2 last year, even with Doug Martin having a great season. So both those guys I like in there outright, and if the guy in front of him goes down, you've got RB1 potential easily. Could have the same thing here with McKinnon. Remember when AP was AP-less, or the Vikings were AP-less in 2014? Asiata was a top 20 PPR back. 
McKinnon's going to be that guy. Now, McKinnon's going to be have some PPR value regardless of AP's health, but if AP does go down, man, is McKinnon nice to have on your roster. So another one to watch, another guy to file in the vault. Not that this is super fantasy relevant, but John Kuhn, the longtime Packer fullback, has signed with New Orleans, replacing fullback Austin Johnson. So Kuhn packing his bags for Nolans down south. Another running back, Tevin Coleman, mispracticed earlier this week with a football or with a foot injury, uh, did return. This is another one folks are really keeping eyes peeled on as to how much of a split that's going to be there between Freeman and Coleman. What percentage of the carries will Coleman get versus Freeman? In Miami, a couple of in- bits of injury news. Devontae Parker, Kenyon Drake, both suffered hamstring injuries. Doesn't seem to be too serious, especially Parker. He was seen running routes on the sideline after the team is said to be taking a very cautious approach with Parker. With Drake, don't have too much news yet, but he was visibly very upset on the sideline. Just something to keep in mind, uh, especially that running back situation in Miami. What's once they now have Foster? We know Ajahi has the knee, and of course he injured the other knee recently. Uh, so watch what's going on down in Miami. Very curious as to see that running back situation unfold and, and see them in the preseason. A guy with some good news, Mike Evans. He's one of my guys I am targeting. He's been turning heads at camp. I expect a big year for him. With the help of Pyrolytics, my boy and uh, new Pyro brethren were taking on here. We discovered there was essentially about 12 pass catchers last season that accounted for 25% or more of the team's target share. Mike Evans was indeed one. Now, if you average out the touchdowns of these 12 players, it comes out to nine. Mike Evans had three. Talking about a guy's rookie season had 12, goes down to three last year. So I foresee him staying with at least 25% of the team target share. And I think he's going to have positive touchdown regression. I am all over Mike Evans, and news has been great. Some really good reports uh, about him impressing in camp. A few other guys I've been really finding myself gravitating towards in MFL 10. Certainly, you all know my Moncrief belief and my uh, smoldering love affair with Sims. Also, Ryan Matthews, despite the injury, I've been getting him, but I'm keeping my eyes out on that situation. Antonio Gates, I've been getting a lot of couple of flyers, I'm talking 19th, 20th round guys. Terrence West, if that it does indeed unfold in his for his benefit there in Baltimore. And also Bruce Ellington. You know I like Torrey Smith in San Francisco with a Chip Kelly. You often elevates one of your wide receivers. And it's looking like Ellington might be the slot guy. Again, Kelly does focus on slot wide receivers. And they're going to face a lot of negative game script. They're only one of three teams that Vegas does not expect to have six wins. So you know they're going to need to pass. Bruce Ellington's been going around round 19, round 20 in MFL 10s. Just another camp to watch. A couple of late round flyer. I'm talking 19th, 20th round here. Lance Kendricks and Vance McDonald. If you look last year, you had some breakout tight ends. Gary Barnage and you had Delaney Walker. Barnage had a rookie quarterback at times, and a subpar quarterback for the majority of it, of course, 
Delaney Walker had a rookie quarterback. Same situation. Kendricks has a rookie quarterback, and Vance McDonald has a subpar quarterback. Both of these teams I expect to pass, just like Cleveland and Tennessee did last year. So with Kendricks on L.A. and Vance on San Francisco, they're going to face negative game script. They're going to pass. And especially with Kendricks, uh, I think they're going to want to get some confidence into Goff. What better way than to go out and throw some easy, high-volume, high-probable routes out to Lance Kendricks? Uh, I think that's going to boost his confidence. I think that's going to also, we're going to see what Kendricks has to offer now that he's out of the shadow of Cooks, who or Cook. Jared Cook has moved on to Green Bay. So just a couple guys I'm keeping an eye on. Late round flyers. Tight end is so deep. Lord knows. I mentioned I'm getting a lot of Antonio Gates. Just some guys to keep an eye on. Some dart throws. Lance Kendricks, Vance McDonald. Again, talking round 20. So just to get, give you some perspective. Okay, gang. We're going to be doing more of this. As I said, check out the recent pyro fantasy football fire episode they go super deep as they are known to do as to what's happened in camps and uh, what news items have been rolling across the ticker lately this is episode 42 and i'm going to be joined by jeff ratcliffe again send a tweet out to jeff tell him you thank him for his patience i know i do but before we get there I want to start off with a trivia question just for you guys. All right, here we go. Of course, Tony Gonzalez holds the record for the most receiving touchdowns by a tight end with 111. Today's trivia is a two-parter. Who is likely going to break that record this season, and how many touchdowns do they need to do it? Think about that as you listen to this. All right, welcome back, Pyromaniacs. You are with the Shogun of Fantasy, Pyromaniac Mo, and we're firing up the flex capacitor about 45 seconds ago. I asked you the question. Tony Gonzalez holds the record for most receiving touchdowns by a tight end with 111. Which of today's tight ends is possibly going to break that record, and how many does he need to do it? The answer, of course, is Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates has 104, and he needs 7 to tie, 8 to claim the record for himself. Talk about Narrative Street. This is big. Rivers has already talked about getting his boy this record. You know, Rivers' legacy is going to be heavily tied to Antonio Gates. And if Gates gets this it's saying a lot about Rivers, too. So you know Rivers wants to get it for him. As I said, his legacy is tied up there. and They are very good friends. I think they're going to get there. And, man, Antonio Gates represents some big value. You can get him in the later rounds. I think 10-11 is roughly his current ADP. And he's going to be scoring like a tight end monster. So he's one of the guys I am targeting this season. All right, folks, without further ado... Pro Football Focus's Director of Fantasy, Mr. Jeff Ratcliffe, joins me on episode 42 of the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. Enjoy. All right, Pyromaniacs, as promised, the long-awaited interview with uh, Jeff Ratcliffe. He is Director of Fantasy for Pro Football Focus. Jeff is a serious XM host and can be heard on the PFF Radio Fantasy Podcast, the Fantasy Slant along with a host of knowledgeable PFF folk, including friend of Pyrolite and Fish fan himself, Mr. Pat Thorman. Uh, Jeff, 
can be found on Twitter. That is at Jeff Ratcliffe, spelled J-E-F-F-R-A-T-C-L-I-F-F-E. Mr. Ratcliffe, how are you, sir? Don't want to forget that superfluous E at the end there, just hanging out doing absolutely nothing at the end of the last name. But uh, definitely uh, doing well. How are you, Mo? I'm doing great. And uh, once again, we started today's show with Guns N' Roses patience because you've had an abnormal amount of patience with me. We did a show. Of course, it went into the ether. Uh, it was great to do it, but of course, I fumbled and did a butt fumble, and we didn't get to hear this, uh, the, hear the show. So thank you for coming back. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it happens. It happens to the best of us. There, are, There's, uh, you know, that perspective. Uh, if a podcast was recorded and, and nobody was around to hear it, did it did it actually exist in the first place? So I think that's kind of where we are with that, with that first one. Yeah, we're getting a little uh, introspective here on uh, the pyro light. So, Jeff, uh, you've done this before, but I'm going to ask you to do it all again. If pyromaniacs are, are not familiar, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Pro Football Focus and what you do over there. Well, PFF has been around since 2008, but our data goes back to 2007. We had some folks go back and uh, and grade games in the 2007 season. But what we do is we grade every single player on every single play in every single game, giving you a microscopic look at uh, how things actually happen in the NFL. You know, for the longest time, the, the idea was that money ball approaches wouldn't work in football because the sample size wasn't large enough. But we weren't looking close enough. We actually have a pretty large sample size over the course of an NFL season when you figure about 65 to 70 snaps per game on the offensive side of the ball or defensive side of the ball, which is well over 1,000 snaps in the course of a season. When you get 1,000 different uh, uh, data points on a player, a picture starts to emerge. So we do that for the pro side. We also do it for the college side over the last two years. So the F, just the FBS, not the FCS as well. <laughs> But still, that's a ton of teams. And then something that is really cool is, is we're working on, on trying to increase speed. So get the, get the games graded as fast as possible. Right now, uh, this year, on Monday morning, we will have all the Sunday games graded and all the information at our disposal. So really awesome stuff. And then the cool thing for the fantasy part, part is we get to take all of those numbers and information, we get to play with it and figure out how it makes sense for fantasy purposes. So that's that's what I've been getting to do over the last seven years. And Jeff, one of my follow-up questions here is always asking the guests to sort of peel back the proverbial curtain. Uh, and I usually ask, you know, hey, give us a stat or a website or, or something you yourself go to. But I'm going to kind of force you into something because it's something I use it is on Pro Football Focus, when you get the Fantasy Gold package, there's something that basically examines the wide receiver and cornerback matchups, like a shadow report, and you grade each player, and of course, who's going to be at an advantage, uh, who's going to be guarding who, which, uh, which guy is going to be um, looking to do really well on a specific matchup. So tell us a little bit about that and how it's going to improve this season. Yeah, so last year it was the uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup chart, which was something that our, our former director, Mike Clay, who's now at ESPN, uh, he, he did all of that stuff and, and, and wrote about uh, what he found. And, you know, one of the benefits to what we do as well, as I said, it's a microscopic look. So we can tell you where cornerbacks are lining up on the field, how frequently they're lining up in certain positions. 
Uh, do they shadow or, or not? And there's really only about 10 cornerbacks in the NFL who shadow. So only 10 out of 32 teams would deploy that sort of coverage. And then where do uh, wide receivers line up? You know, uh, you look at wide receivers potentially in the slot, uh, wide receivers potentially, you know, on the outside, and who are they going to face? So that was what the chart looked at. Now, we took that to the next level this year, and it's going to actually be a part of our DFS uh, tool suite, which uh, it's partially optimizer, but lots of other information that you'll get with that. And now you'll be able to pinpoint each player look at the percentage they're going to be in the slot, outside, et cetera, and who they're going to line up against. And then we give you an individual matchup rating for each one of those matchups. So right now, it's not out yet. It'll be out soon. But I'm looking at Julio Jones. I have the you know the special uh, uh, pre-advanced look at this tool. And I have Julio Jones up for uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm telling you, looks like when he's in the slot, he is going to crush Alteron Werner on the Bucks. So... <laughs> Uh, it's 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 just a, it, taking what we did last year, and if you loved it, Mo, you're gonna love this even more. It's just such a fantastic resource that we are able to provide that really nobody else is. I can't wait to see the the 2016 version of this, the hyped up uh, 2.0, because it was really something I I did rely on heavily last year, both for redraft and for especially for DFS, looking for a guy who's got a supreme matchup that might be a bit cheaper on DraftKings or, or wherever you play. So I think it's a fantastic tool, and I'm really looking forward to it. Now, Pyromaniacs, uh, if we could fire up the flex capacitor and uh, get our DeLorean going 88 miles an hour, way back when, on episode 38, uh, we discussed mid-round running backs. So we kind of highlighted if you were doing the do the opposite or zero RB, uh, which running backs would you get later, rounds four through 10? Well, on episode 42 today, we're going to look at mid-round wide receivers because sometimes you just, maybe you're not a zero RB guy or you're drafting later and you don't have the option to really get some of the high-end wide receivers. So these are some of the mid-round wide receivers that you're going to be looking at. Uh, we used Fantasy Football Calculator PPR settings for uh, 12-team leagues. So I'm going to start with you. Let me give you the rundown of round four. So on Fantasy Football Calculator, round four, we've got... Now, Golden Tate was round four. He, he just snuck up into round three, but I'm going to toss him out there. Golden Tate, and then Jeremy Macklin, Dante Moncrief, and Doug Baldwin. Which guy would you uh, like to highlight, Jeff? <clears throat> well, there are some interesting names there, uh, and I think that we'll continue to see this Golden Tape buzz uh, build. I actually have him ranked as my number 15 wide receiver in PPR, where I think he is a better asset than he is in, uh, in standard formats. But it's interesting when you have Anquan Bolden there, who he played primarily out of the slot last year for the 49ers, uh, and then you had Golden Tate, who was primarily the slot receiver for the Lions. We're hearing that Bolden's more in the slot than, than Tate, which means that Tate's average depth of target is probably going to be further down the field than it was last year. So that bodes positively even for standard. So I think he's interesting, and I, but I, I find myself not owning a lot of shares of him, whereas I do have a lot of shares of Dante Moncrief. Uh, I'm really intrigued by him. I think his uh, profile is is one that, that sort of Peaks my interest. I love when you got a 6'2 or, or taller receiver who can run 4'4, uh, who can go up and get, get 
balls, you know, high point passes, that sort of thing. And then if you have Andrew Luck, hopefully taking uh, or, or rebounding, I should say, this year, then uh, Moncrief could easily outplay that ADP. And, and this is a guy who has top 15 upside. I'm not going to rank him there, but I think he's a really intriguing name at that point in the draft. Lord <laughs> knows I have Moncrief belief for uh, the Pyromaniacs out there. If you listen to the mixtape, which was episode 41, where we got together with seven other podcasts and we produced one massive podcast, uh, I picked Moncrief as one of my breakout players some of the things I like about him, again, scored six touchdowns last year. Five of them came from Andrew Luck. In other words, 33% of Luck's passing TDs went to Moncrief. And uh, thanks to one of our new pyro writers, Pyrolytics, also known as Stephen Wilt, he did a really cool chart uh, looking at the receivers on Indy, particularly Hilton and Moncrief. And if you extrapolated, which, all right, let's not get into the argument of should you extrapolate, and it's a hypothesis, and I understand it's not reality. We're playing fantasy. Uh, if you extrapolate Lux numbers, so if you played the full season, Hilton actually had three less receptions than Moncrief would have if everything would have continued. And... Moncrief ended up with 11.43 touchdowns. So this is something I've been saying. Now, we've got 160 vacated targets in Indy just from Andrew, uh, Andre Johnson and Fleener, and he's the tallest wide receiver at 6'2". He's the only wide receiver that starts that's over 6 foot. So that's where I really think he's going to make his hay uh, in the red zone. They don't have a, a great red zone back in Gore. I think it's going to be kind of similar to Jacksonville last year. They didn't really have a red zone back in Hilton. And then you had Bortles tied with Aaron Rodgers for the most red zone uh, pass attempts. And I think we could see that with Luck and certainly Moncrief. Uh, I think he could be kind of this year's Alan Hearns or Eric Decker. I'm, I'm curious, though. I've seen him go uh, 4.1 in an MFL 10 Jeff, at what point do you jump off Moncrief? Where does he stop holding value for you? Well, <clears throat> at that point, I don't think he has value. And and that's the thing, though. With MFL 10 drafters, they're really savvy folks. Uh, we've even seen it over the last week. And I, and I think it's kind of fascinating that this was the reaction. But you mentioned Eric Decker. Well, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall have, have kind of peaked in terms of ADP among that crowd, even though they weren't really paying him much mind before Fitzpatrick signed. So <clears throat> it's, a, it's a tough group, and it's not a group that's indicative of what you can expect in casual home leagues. So for me, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not taking Moncrief at 4-1. Uh, I may take him towards the back end of the fourth round, but I'm really looking for him to get him in the fifth round. I think that's where he represents value. Um, you're not going to get that in the NFL 10 right now, though. No. Yeah, I think when you're playing your, your high school league and uh, your your work league with just quote-unquote Joes, I think you're going to find the value there. But uh, we're seeing with the quote-unquote pros, it's tough to get Moncrief because everybody is starting to have Moncrief belief, although I've been talking about him since, uh, geez, March, I want to say. Uh, but I digress now. Real quick, you brought up the Lions, which, of course, I'm a Motown man, and I'm curious now. You said they might switch it around a little bit. So last year, average depth of target for Tate was just 5.8 yards downfield. Marvin Jones last year, 12.8. So he's a field stretcher. Bolden was 8.2. Uh, 
where do you or what do you think the Bolden acquisition? How is that going to impact the Lions? To me, I think it might eat into Tate a little bit, but probably more so Ebron. Uh, what do you think of the Bolden acquisition, and who might that affect negatively the most? I don't know if if it's really fair to say that it's Ebron because it's interesting people make that argument, but Tate would have been out of the slot. So how did that not impact Ebron? Uh, yeah. I think any you know the biggest loser obviously is T.J. Jones, uh, a yeah. kid who maybe we'll see if there's an injury, but was getting a lot of buzz and actually was the guy who Matthew Stafford identified over anybody else on our Sirius XM show. We had Tim Twentyman on and he said. Stafford is raving about TJ Jones and and he could have, he could have talked about anybody on the team and he wanted to talk about TJ Jones. So really interesting there. But I, I don't think it's going to necessarily negatively impact Ebron much. I still view Ebron as an ups, upside tight end to a guy who came into the league with uh, a pretty impressive pedigree athletically speaking and it takes tight ends a long time. You know, I, there's a, a very short uh, attention span and we immediately want production out of these guys. But tight end is a very tough position in the NFL. And that's why I was pointing out, you know, I talked about Martellus Bennett in a column the other day and uh, how the Patriots figure to use a lot more two tight end sets. Now, last year, they were about 25 percent. In 2011, they ran 71.4 percent of the time they were in two tight end sets. And in 2011, they had the number one and number three fantasy tight ends, uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, yeah. But still, number one and number three. And in, it's, it's so rare to have one number one tight end, much less two. And, and these guys were sort of the anomalies because both of them were tight end ones in their rookie seasons as well. It's just so rare, and it takes a while. And we've seen, we saw yeah. Ebron peak a little bit at times last year. So I'm not worried about him. I'm not really worried about Tate. I think Tate's still, you know... He's a candidate for 100 catches. I don't know if he gets there, but he's been 90-plus the last two seasons. Uh, maybe a little bit of Jones that slows down a little bit of his uh, his momentum. But I, I, this is a guy who also showed he's top 20. he has top 20 potential in fantasy. He did that in 2013 with the Bengals. I, I think, if anything, this just is a tide that's going to rise up and, and help this team a little bit more with a, a very quality, one of the better receivers in the last decade for sure. If you look at what Bolden's done over his career, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and great locker room guy. I'm excited as a Lions fan uh, to bring him in. Now, gang, before we continue, you heard me ask a, a trivia question when I was going over the news and notes. So uh, for Jeff Radcliffe to, to give you a little incentive, sir, if you get two of today's trivia questions right, you might be able to win the famed cornballer invented by George Bluth. Of course, these are outlawed in America, but... Uh, Made in Mexico in the rigid manufacturing standards of Juarez, it'll cost you 1,376 pesos. So, Jeff, if you can answer two of today's trivia questions, you can have a corn baller for family fun. First up, and then we're going to pause for a commercial break. Uh, the first of today's trivia questions, which Jeff did not hear, but the good folks at home did, asked about receiving touchdowns. Now we're talking about rushing touchdowns, and I'm talking about in the annals of history, so all-time rushing touchdowns. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one Mr. Barry Sanders, because he could have easily been in contention for the all-time touchdown leader had he not retired early, but I just have to say it for the record. In the record books, though, Emmett Smith is the all-time rushing touchdown leader with 164. However, this season, there indeed is an active running back 
that could surpass Barry Sanders, could surpass Jim Brown, and even the great Walter Payton. Walter Payton leads that group with 110. He is fourth all time. Which active running back could break Walter Payton's mark of 110, and how many touchdowns does he need to do it? You think about that while you listen to this, and we'll be back. All right, Pyromaniacs, you are back with Mo on the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. I've got the good fortune today to be joined by Jeff Ratcliffe, Director of Fantasy for PFF. Give him a follow on Twitter. That is J-E-F-F-R-A-T-C-L-I-F-F-E. We asked the question before we went to break, which active running back could possibly surpass Walter Payton's mark of 110 career touchdowns and how close is this running back so what do you think Jeff who's uh the touchdown leader that is currently playing in the NFL that's very close to Walter Payton yeah this one's an easy one I don't know the number how far away but obviously all day Adrian Peterson uh arguably the greatest running back in NFL history I mean forget about the off-field stuff and 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 just look at what he's done on the field this guy has been absolutely incredible and continues to go. I'm, I'm intrigued by him this year. If he keeps it going this year and he picks up right where he left off last year, it, it's really going to be hard to not put him in that immediate conversation of, of greatest running back in NFL history. Yeah, this it's going to be great to watch. This is a bit of narrative street. Uh, certainly Adrian Peterson, he has 97. He needs 13 to tie, 14 to break. Now that, that may sound like a lot, but his season high is 18. And if we toss out that 2014 uh, suspended season, he's got seven seasons in the NFL, each of which he scored double-digit touchdowns, and he averages just over 12. So he only needs 13 to tie, 14 to break. Bit of narrative street, but uh, I think it's intriguing, and it's going to be great to watch. Now, jumping back into our discussion today on the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 42, we are talking mid-round wide receivers were up to round five. So let me give you the list, Jeff, and, and which name is going to intrigue you here. We've got Eric Decker, Michael Floyd, Jordan Matthews, and Larry Fitzgerald. Which wide receiver would you take in round five? Yeah, you're not going to get him in round five. I don't know any any longer. I think he crept up into round five just recently here, but it's Eric Decker out of that group. Because, uh, you know, hey, you look at Fitzgerald, I think he leads the team in targets, but he's going to take a step back. He's he, he's more on the downslope of his career, still a fantastic player. But, you know, now we're talking age 33 season. And like I said, I think he'll he'll lead that team in targets. But uh, it's going to be a tough year to own Cardinals receivers. I think they're all going to be good assets when we look back at it at the end of the season in terms of overall points. But on a week to week basis, it could be a little bit tough to predict which receiver is going to be the leader in, in terms of fantasy points. Jordan Matthews concerns me. I'm, I'm in Philadelphia, and the fact that he struggled on the outside. Now, we haven't heard much out of camp right now, but in the offseason, struggled a little bit on the outside. That is a little concerning. There really isn't much else there, though, so he's in a good posi position to potentially be the top target on that team. Him and Zach Ertz are, are going to dominate the targets. But you look at Decker, and you look at what he did last year. I mean— it was never a massive ceiling guy, but you you talk about consistency, and and I, I sometimes think that consistency can be a little bit overrated in terms of fantasy because consistency sometimes also means a lack of a high ceiling. But you look at Decker from a consistency standpoint; he scored in twelve of fifteen games last year. I mean that yeah. that is 
that's awesome. And, and we don't maybe talk enough about that, getting Fitzpatrick in there. And I don't think Fitzpatrick's a great quarterback, but I think he knows how to run that offense, and he's the best quarterback for them right now, better than, than Geno Smith, obviously, or, or whatever else they have on, on the lineup or in the, on the depth chart, that is. So I, I take their Eric Decker, if you can get him in the fifth round. And, and like I said, in MFL 10s, people are savvy. He's going in the fourth round now in MFL 10s. But I take him yeah. in the fifth round. I'm with you on Decker. I really like him uh, in the last four seasons in PPR. He's averaged double-digit uh, points per game. In fact, in the last three of four, he's averaged at least 16.8 PPR points per game. Of course, with Marshall there, he's going to be seeing lesser coverage and they really like him in the red zone. Uh, he's been the most targeted pass catcher inside the red zone in two of the last four seasons, including the 2015 season. So uh, I'm all in on Decker. Uh, he's one of the guys that I'm, I'm targeting, of course. Depends on when you're drafting, because you got some savvy folks out there uh, that, as you say, are, at, are in on this as well. It's no secret, certainly. Round six, mid-round running backs, round six. Let me lay the ground for you here. We've got Alan Hearns, Emmanuel Sanders, Josh Gordon, Devontae Parker, and John Brown. Which name intrigues you for a round six wide receiver? Yeah, wow. That that happened quick with Josh Gordon, huh? Uh, no kidding. You got right up in there. I, I think this is, ba- this is basically where I said you were going to get him. I, I don't know if he goes any higher. If he does, I think it's a little silly, uh, given that you're going to lose him for four games, and I still think he's really a wide receiver three. But that's basically, that's this is the tier now where we're talking about wide receiver threes. I probably would lean him just because of uh, some of the uncertainties, though, because you know the ceiling is there with Gordon. I don't think we see it immediately, but the long-term outlook towards the end of the season could potentially be really good. I mentioned the the frustrations with Arizona with John Brown. I have major concerns about Denver. And actually, I apparently struck a nerve the other day when I said that uh, uh, Demarius Thomas is a wide receiver, too. I had a lot of people get really upset, which, by the way, I think that's that's a really interesting reaction. If I disagree with you on a player, why get upset? It's an opportunity to open a dialogue up and maybe learn a little bit about somebody else's thought process. Uh, but again, that's Twitter and it's the vortex that people get sucked into. But I, I have concerns about uh, Sanders as well. Alan Hearns, I, I think that offense isn't going to be as reliant on the deep ball. So that that does change things for me. I like Parker. I think he's got a lot of upside. But there are some question marks still as, as to how much of a step forward he's going to take in that Adam Gase's, Gase offense. So I'll go with the biggest question mark of them all. Gordon, I, I'm, pr- I'm probably not taking him in the sixth round just, just to, uh, for sake of argument here. But of that group, you look at the ceiling combination, uh, uh, the potential combination for fantasy points, all of that, and, and he's the guy who I think I would, I would throw a dart at. Well, you talk about uh, in naming a player and then having folks get upset. That's kind of a microcosm of America. You have sort of one faction, especially in this political season, you have this one faction that looks towards debate and looks at each conversation as an opportunity to learn. And then you have this other faction that uh, any sort of disagreement or thought that runs contrary to their own is viewed as threatening and, and something to be to be feared and stomped out. So uh, it, that reaction, I think, goes well beyond fantasy football. Yeah, and, and just um, to cut in real quick, 
I, I've often said, you know, I, I love when people disagree with me because we're in a position where we're able to do that. And the scariest thought that I could ever come up with is if there were seven and a half billion people on this planet who were exactly like me. That is the scariest thing ever. And not that, a, you know, I, I, it's just the beauty of diversity in terms of thoughts. And that that's true for, for anything, especially when it comes to fantasy football. That's a Twilight Zone episode yep. <laughs> right there where you wake up and everybody is the same. And uh, when I was talking to Paul Chargian on the Pyrolite, we were talking about just that. And I said the beauty of doing what I'm doing with these interviews is one week I talked to one guy who likes player A because XYZ. And then the next week I hear the exact opposite. And the viewer, the listener, I suppose, just gets to learn from that. And then really you take all this stuff that we say, and you form your own opinion. I think that's the beauty of having these conversations. And I, I too, agree. Uh, when somebody else finds something new to say about a player, I look at it as an opportunity to learn, and I, I run out and I adjust my tears and think about it myself. So I think it's great stuff. Now, getting back to round six, Josh Gordon, I, I don't know if I'm going to take him there. I would probably go round seven. Six just seems a touch early to me. Um I'm just not sure what to think. Of course, you got a great ceiling with him, but who knows what kind of shape he's in. And I think you're going to have the widest discrepancy of ADP, perhaps, depending on who you talk about, with Josh Gordon, because people have such strong opinions about him. I would probably go with John Brown, perhaps just because he's a trio of great receivers on a fantastic Arizona offense, and he's the last one being taken. So to me, that might represent the most value. Uh, folks know I've really liked John Brown. Uh, I know Floyd, you know, five of eight games over 100 yards. I know he had a gruesome injury. Uh, I know he's got a contract year. I know all of that stuff. But Floyd is a little bit more up and down. Seven of game, Seven games last year below eight fantasy points. John Brown only had one. So I think he's got a, a pretty solid floor. Uh, even with David Johnson there, Floyd averaged eight targets. John Brown, 7.7. .7. So to me, I think getting the last wide receiver from Arizona might represent value, and that's kind of what I'm looking to do. Now, round seven, we're going to get into one of my guys that I really love here, but you've got Tyler Lockett, Michael Crabtree, Kevin White, and Sterling Shepard. Who do you like in round seven? <laughs> I wrote a column today about Sterling Shepard, so I think I would be a hypocrite if I didn't <laughs> go in with him. You know, and, and it's interesting. So Crabtree led, actually led Oakland in targets last year, but I do think he takes a little bit of a step back to Amari Cooper. And it, it's interesting. When I run the projections, I feel like my projection numbers like Crabtree more than I like Crabtree. So, you know, I pass on him. I, I'm, I'm vocal about Tyler Lockett being having a massive ceiling, but potentially some some lower uh, fantasy weeks because it's a run-based offense. So, yeah, I think Shepard is, is the really interesting player there. The one thing, though, and I, I should mention this. So I was getting questions about Shepard in rookie drafts, and, and somebody asked me a question, should I take Shepard as the number two pick in a rookie draft? And my answer was, no, please don't do that. Take Laquan Treadwell as the number two pick. And the reason is really simple. Treadwell, not only is he the most polished receiver in this year's class, He's he's the guy who has the better potential to be the number one guy. You know, if you think about it, Shepard is on the Giants and so is Eldo Odell Beckham Jr., who is not 35 years old. He's only in his third year. So 
Shepard's going to be the number two year in and year out uh, for the Giants behind Beckham, whereas Treadwell has a chance to be the number one in the long term. I think Shepard, though, in the short term, I think he's the best rookie uh, for 2016 in this class, but not in a dynasty uh, dynasty league. However, out of that bunch, I really like Sterling Shepard this year, so I'm taking him. Yeah, I like Shepard myself. Uh, of course, lots of folks, he recently jumped into the seventh. Lots of folks are on him, but of course, uh, Pyromaniacs know Dave T. Thomas. We, we talked to him often, longtime scout for the NFL. Uh, he has Shepard pegged as potential rookie of the year candidate, and he has him predicting 10 touch, over 10 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards now. That's a, that's a hefty, mighty prediction, but I really like it. I mean, again, lack of a running game there, which I, I think is akin to Jacksonville last year once they get into the red zone. Um, they didn't trust Yeldon, and I don't think there's going to emerge a red zone running back for the Giants. We know that Eli, in the last two seasons... Uh, only Aaron Rodgers has more red zone attempts than Eli, who is continually getting better and more comfortable under McAdoo. And I think we could see uh, some fantastic red zone numbers for Sterling Shepard. Of course, he's not huge, but man, huge catch radius. He's got a 41-inch vertical, 4.48 40-yard dash. Lots of stuff to like about Shepard. And of course, with ODB drawing the number one corners could allow Sterling Shepard to wreak some havoc there. So I'm with you there. I also think Kevin White is intriguing, particularly with some injury news. Of course, what else is new uh, coming from Chicago and uh, Alshon Jeffrey? Turning to, before we turn to round eight, I should say, we're going to pause one more time, but I want... To remind the folks, if you're starting a new league, let us give you 10 bucks just for doing it. Go to LeagueSafe.com forward slash pyro for all the details. It's really simple. LeagueSafe takes care of the money transactions and your payout at the end of the year. And we're going to give you 10 bucks just for signing up. Use the promo code pyro. That's LeagueSafe.com forward slash pyro. Now, Jeff, I want you to think about this during the break. This is trivia question number three today. Second one for you. In keeping with today's trivia theme. Jerry Rice, of course, has the most all-purpose yards. Uh, Rice registers 23,546 all-purpose yards. The vast majority of those, of course, comes from the receiving game. Of today's active players, who has the most all-purpose yards? I'll give you a hint. He's got about 2,300 coming from kick return and about 1,600 coming from punt return. And you... Folks at home, think about that while you listen to this. We'll be back. Welcome back. If you guys are interested in a paid subscription service that's going to help you navigate the treacherous fantasy waters this season, look no further. Pyro Pro is for you. You can sign up for 365 days of access. You get our rankings, news feeds, ask us questions, resource toolbox, follow up to 100 players. Information about Pyro Pro is available at pyromaniac.com. All right, Jeff, uh, you could get your hands on a cornballer here from uh, Mr. Bluth. And, of course, Richard Simmons even uh, peddled this once upon a time. Now, I'm talking about Arrested Development, if you did not know. But, once again, who is the active player that has 
the most all-purpose yards. What do you think, sir? Well, just two notes real quick. Bob blah blah is the best lawyer's <laughs> name ever. And uh, yeah. once actually met Richard Simmons in 30th Street Sa- Station in Philadelphia. Wow. And he told me I have beautiful eyes. So I, I don't know what to think about that. But regardless, when you when you said this question, I thought, um, you know, I thought Larry Fitzgerald, but then you, you said punt and, and kick returns. So me, I'm going to take a guess in Philadelphia we have that guy. In, is it Darren Sproles? Is Steve Smith? Oh, Steve Smith. Steve oh. Smith has just over eighteen hundred all-purpose yards. He's got uh, nearly fourteen hundred receiving, uh, twenty-three hundred kick returns, sixteen hundred punt return. Yeah, Steve wow. Smith is the uh, leads all NFL active players for most all-purpose yards. So, unfortunately, you're not going to get the cornballer, but man, if Richard Simmons told me I had the most beautiful eyes, I'd put that on a business card <laughs> and hand it out to people. That's it would be the only thing Richard Simmons says, and then I'd hand it out to people. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's resume material there, buddy. All right. Uh, round eight, we're talking mid-round wide receivers using Fantasy Football Calculator. So, who's going in the eighth round currently in 12-team leagues? We've got Deshaun Jackson. Marvin Jones, and Marcus Wheaton. Which of those three would you take? Well, we talked about Jones earlier as a guy who could uh, lose a few targets here in this offense, and there's a little bit of uncertainty there. I, I'm down on Marcus Wheaton. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Sammy Coates is, is out there in two wide receiver sets with Antonio Brown. Coates continues to gain momentum. He's, he's a similar player to Martavis Bryant. He's a little shorter, and when you look at the way this kid is built, he is built like a brick house, and he can run four for. Uh, he's 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 a really intriguing guy. So I'm passing on Marcus Wheaton. So that leaves Deshaun. Eh, you know, like you look at Deshaun, he's not going to see a ton of targets in the offense. I think Jordan Reed ends up leading that team in targets, which is interesting when a tight end leads a team in targets. But uh, he can make the most of of a few. You know, he he may only see five, six, seven targets in a game, but he can make the most of those. So you get a lot of upside, and and you generally look at Deshaun Jackson. He can he give you wide receiver three production? Sure. Where is he being drafted right now as a wide receiver four? So I'll take that. I think it's a little bit of value. It's not the sexiest pick in the world, but out of those three options, he's my guy. Well, and I like Deshaun, especially in best balls. You know, you get the highs, and you don't have to sweat the lows. But uh, I, I'm really intrigued. I guess this is a bit of a homer pick here, but I'm intrigued by Jones. You know, you've got 142 uh, targets that Calvin Johnson took with him out the door. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but he's got the, the deepest depth of target among the starting three wide receivers at 12.8 last year. And I really think the Cooter offense, and just I've got to say it because it's a great name to say, but the Jim Bob Cooter offense is fantastic. I think it fits Stafford very well. So I'm really intrigued to see it. We've all seen Jones um, put up a 10 touchdown season 2013. And yes, I know that includes the four touchdowns against the Jets, but you know he can do it. We talked about Tim Twentyman. He has said that it's going to be closer than most people think, kind of a 1A, 1B situation with Golden Tate. Uh, and so I just think Jones really represents, if it is indeed, according to Tim Twentyman, if it is indeed going to be closer than people think, you've got basically a four-round, five-round almost difference between where Tate is going, third or fourth, and where Jones is going in the eight, I'm going to take that lesser guy for return on investment in Jones. Looking at round nine, we have Willie Sneed, 
who I did write about earlier this season as a return on investment guy. Of course, that was before Fleener came aboard. You got Willie Sneed, Torrey Smith, Steve Smith, the uh, all-purpose yards leader, Corey Coleman, and Stefan Diggs. Which of those ninth-round guys would you like? Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying, as much as I love Smitty, I'm staying away from Steve Smith just because I'm really concerned about the injury. Yeah. Uh, at 37 years old. I, hey, all-time great. I, I, he's a guy who early on, you know, I, I started playing fantasy football in college, so late 90s, early 2000s, and then, you know, then this guy Steve Smith pops onto the scene, and He's been he's been a, a fixture ever since. So just an amazing guy and kind of a, a constant feature of, of my fantasy memories over the last decade, almost decade and a half. Uh, Coleman's interesting, but I think Gordon does limit him a little bit. And you mentioned Snead. It's not only the addition of Kobe Fleener, but the addition of Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, yeah. who I think has a, a very similar skill set to Demarius Thomas, which I it, I've heard that comparison made by a few people, but. Maybe not enough because a lot of people think he just steps right into this Marcus Colston role, which doesn't actually make a lot of sense to me, given the fact that he basically didn't play in the slot at Ohio State. This past year, uh, Braxton Miller was the slot receiver. It wasn't Michael Thomas. So we could see him outside the numbers more than people more than people might think. And we'll have to see. But he's he's been shown well in camp. So I'm passing on on Willie Sneed in that spot. I think of the guys you mentioned. Torrey Smith is probably the one who I would go with here. Now, he continues to gain momentum. Uh, Mike Tagliere at Pro Football Focus has him ranked as his number 22 wide receiver. Now, that is very aggressive. And I I told him he has single-handedly raised uh, Torrey Smith's ADP a couple rounds. But I I think right now you're still getting him out of value. He has wide receiver three potential in that offense, even though the quarterback situation is – somewhat ugly uh it's it's a high volume offense with chip kelly and we other than last year which that team just was uh it was it was a a tire fire last year in san francisco other than last year tory smith has been a, a consistent you know wide receiver two wide receiver three options so i think he gets back into that realm and i'm, I'm gonna take him here i agree completely you know not much competition though although uh, bruce ellington lots of uh Conversation about him, especially in deeper, deeper leagues. I've been seeing him go MFL 10s, 18, 19, 20, right in there. Uh, but Torrey Smith, no real competition for for targets there in San Fran. Uh, I think they're going to be facing a ton of negative game script. They're going to have to pass. We all saw Jacksonville last year. Of course, uh, garbage time touchdowns count just as much as those thrown in the first quarter. Uh, he led all wide receivers with uh, yards per reception, 20.1. I like him also because last season, uh, four touchdowns, but that represents only 26.6% of his fantasy value. That's a, that's a good number. So he's getting a lot of it through his yards, and I think we're going to see some positive regression come with the touchdowns. We, we've seen him have a 1,000-yard season under his belt. He's got a, a double-digit touchdown season under his belt. And like you say, with Chip Kelly, he did it to Deshaun Jackson. He elevated Jeremy Macklin, Jordan Matthews. I think Torrey Smith could be next in line. Last round we're going to talk about here, folks. Round 10, mid-round wide receivers. Round 10, you got some options here. Starts off with Travis Benjamin, Kamar Aiken, Tavon Austin, Doriel Green-Beckham, and Laquan Treadwell. Some names to pick here. Who are you taking, Jeff? 
Oh boy, I can't believe Doriel Green Beckham's still getting drafted this high. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Tajay Sharp, folks, know that name. I know. Tajay Sharp, uh, Green Beckham. Uh, he's he's the next in a long line of. Here's the lineage: Kenny Britt, Justin Hunter, Doriel Green Beckham. Okay, that's that's what we're looking at here. The the big uh, athletic guy who just doesn't he isn't able to put it together. So. Uh, he's certainly – I think Benjamin's really interesting. I don't know if I'm going to take him out of this list, but he's a guy who I'll shoot for. If I can get him in the 11th, 12th round, I will absolutely do it. I don't know if I can, but sometimes he's getting overlooked, and he's going to be a field stretcher in an offense that still figures to throw the ball a lot. It'll be less than last year. Wisenhunt's going to run the more run the ball more for San Diego, but uh, he's a field stretcher. And, and yet, unlike somebody like Deshaun Jackson, who we just talked about, Benjamin saw double-digit targets multiple times last year, partially because he was really kind of the only guy there receiving-wise, but, uh, you know, uh, out of the wide receivers, that is, because Barnage was there, of course. But he's interesting. For me, though, I I look to the rookie, Laquan Treadwell, and he's the guy who I'm probably going to take here. You talk about value and and getting the better value out of a, a receiver group. I think this is the better value. I actually have him just a tick ahead of Diggs. I think Diggs will be ahead of Treadwell, if we if we start looking at this, say, at the end of September, early October, people are going to say, oh, well, Diggs is obviously the better option because he has more fantasy points. But then when we look back at the end of December, I, I do think that Treadwell is going to have more fantasy points out of that duo. And so the fact that you can get him a round or two later uh, is really the clincher for me. And right now he's going, you know, almost 50th. He's, you know, it depends on your ADP source. But you're getting him as a back-end wide receiver four, and he certainly has front-end wide receiver four, if not back-end wide receiver three potential. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great fit, sort of the ying to Bridgewater's yang. Get him the ball quick. Of course, Treadwell gained nearly 54% of his yards after the catch. I think that's going to be perfect there. He's a great downfield blocker for AP to uh, get those touchdowns this season. So I'm with you on Treadwell. Uh, Two more for you, and then we're out. So that was our mid-round running backs. We went four through ten. And uh, boy, I was I was on par with your, your picks. Uh, you you passed. You you were correct in most <laughs> most of your picks there, sir. As um, long as we're not one hundred percent identical, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a scary one and uh, one for the history books, I suppose. In the um, oh god, who what was the name of the guy that did the Twilight Zone series? He started off every show. He was fantastic. He wrote a lot of those, and uh, that's one of my favorite shows, Twilight Zone. Real quick, though, I want you to get your take on something here. We just did the Scott Fishbowl, and we we had three of us from Pyro picking. Of course, Scott Fishbowl is the super flex. We had a bit of contention with the Brady pick. Uh, I, I think folks know my thoughts on this. I don't like taking Brady because of the cost equity. You, you got to carry another guy for four weeks during the, the waiver wire prime gold time. I don't think it's worth it to carry another guy. What do you think about taking Brady in a super flex league? What, what are your thoughts there? I wouldn't do it. Uh, you're exactly right. The cost equity and the way that I often uh, my, my little informal formula is uh, take your league, the amount of starting quarterbacks, and then figure that half of your league is going to draft a backup quarterback, and that's how many quarterbacks yeah. are going to be off the board. So in a 12-teamer with uh, two quarterback or super flex basically account as a two quarterback, that's yeah. 30 quarterbacks off the board. So that means your replacement level player is right around that range, which, which puts you in the uh, Sam Bradford, um, uh, Jared Goff, 
uh, Mark Sanchez, Simeon, Paxton Lynch, you know, territory. Like that's what we're talking about here. And that's, like you said, it's, it's, it's not going, you're not going to get a good return on investment. You, you, you are using prime real estate on Brady when you could potentially be hitting the wire early on. So in two quarterback, I wouldn't do it. In one quarterback, I might consider it if you get him at a nice value. I, I have him ranked as a seven, eight quarterback off the board. I think you he could easily uh, return that value when he comes back. But uh, I, I wouldn't take him there. If I could get him as the 10th, 11th, 12th quarterback, I think I would make that move in a one quarterback league. All right. Uh, thank you for your take. I was just curious, and I think a lot of folks are going through this Brady decision here, and we often don't talk about Superflex. Now, to get you out of here, uh, my famous last question, immortalized by John Lee Hooker with the one bourbon, one scotch, one beer, and don't even have to give me much on each player, but a bounce back, a sleeper, and a bust. Oh, boy. I, I, oh, my, I have so many players in my head. Um, let's see. I, I guess the bust... Uh, would probably have to go to Jeremy Langford. Sorry, Chicago Bears truthers and et cetera. But uh, Kadeem carries even in the mix there now. Uh, so I, I'm not uh, too crazy about that. Andrew Luck, I think, is the obvious uh, bounce back uh, candidate this year just because uh, of where he was last year. He was, he was a back-end quarterback one through those first seven weeks, but that was still a disappointment. But I think he does bounce back. Uh, and, uh, the sleeper, um, boy, oh boy, uh, I, it's so hard for me to think of sleepers. Cause I, I don't, I, I delve so deeply that none of these guys are like really sleepers <laughs> to me. Um, let's, well, I mean, how about that? I mentioned Sammy Coates earlier. All right. I'll go with Sammy right. Coates as, as a sleeper guy. Cause I think he still is being slept on by the drafting public. And I think he's, he's got uh, some breakout potential. All right, Coates was the sleeper, Langford the bust, and luck bounce back. Jeff, I really thank you for your time, uh, your second time around on the Pyro Light, first time uh, being listened to by the audience, but uh, thanks for having the patience and, and doing this with me. I really appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, Mo, no problem. All right, folks, that was Jeff Ratcliffe, director of fantasy for Pro Football Focus. Follow him over on Twitter. That is J-E-F-F-R-A-T-C-L-I-F-F-E. You can also hear him on PFF Radio Fantasy Podcast, The Fantasy Slant. I, of course, am Pyromaniac Mo, and until the next time, we will catch you on the flip side. Was a time when I wasn't sure, but you.
to set my mind at ease There is no doubt you're in my heart now Said woman, take it slow It'll work itself out fine All we need is just a little patience Said sugar
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.